Welcome to episode seven of the Fun of the Run podcast. I'm Michelle, also known as Waddell Running Lady on Instagram, where you can find me posting all kinds of fun things about my running experiences. I post reels sometimes and stories and just adventures about my life as a runner. So feel free to join me over there. You can direct message me at Waddell Running Lady on Instagram, or you can also reach out via email at funoftherunpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for being here today. Super excited about this episode. In episode seven, we're going to talk about how I met Liz and Jill and the story of my very first 26.2. All right, let's go. Okay, so it might seem kind of strange maybe to meld these two topics together, especially seeing as I did not meet Liz and Jill at my first 26.2, but they are a huge part of my first marathon story. And so it's fitting to put these two together. And I think that you'll, you'll see why as we, as we progress. So sometimes and I've, I found this to be true, especially with running friends. Sometimes you just make friends and you just, you meet somebody and you click and that's just that. I mean, it just is. And this is the story about a friendship just that way. So go back with me, if you will, to December of 2019. At this point, I had been running for about 19 months. I had just recently signed on with Coach Ben Jacobs of Run for PRs. He had been coaching me for my very first marathon, which was coming up in February. So we had been working together since about June, kind of building up a base and then, you know, going into marathon training. So part of my marathon training was he wanted me to run another half marathon in December of 2019 as preparation for for my marathon. So I signed up for a race called Run Run Rudolph, and it's put on by a local running company, racing company here called Startline Racing. They do all kinds of races around the valley. And so this was a half marathon, and it took place in Peoria, and it was just, I think Santa was there, <laughs> you know, everybody had reindeer on their socks, and it was it was a pretty festive event, but this was a race that was supposed to be part of my training. So I show up and, and, you know, I'm having fun. I'm out there on the sidewalk. So this particular course uh, ran through a park that if you live in the Phoenix area, especially the West side, there is a park called Rio Vista community park. And it's very popular with runners and with cyclists because you can go for miles and my, miles in either direction. You can get all of your long runs in at this place. And so if you want some road running and you need to go the distance, this is the place to go. So this race took place partially in this Rio Vista community park. So I'm out on the sidewalk running this race. And I think I'm keeping a pretty good pace, but I'm, you know, I'm just out there by myself passing, you know, people are passing me and I'm passing a few people maybe, but you know, that's because the park's open and everybody else is out there, you know, doing other stuff besides racing. And suddenly two people come up upon me from behind and just kind of, you know, start keeping pace with me. And we just 
hit it off immediately. And we start talking and introducing ourselves and their names are Liz and Jill. And I tell them who I am. And of course, they notice pretty, pretty soon, you know, I'm wearing a skirt and Jill's wanting to know, well, what do you do about that? I mean, chafing, oh my, you know, and do you wear shorts or leggings or how do you do that? And, and so I'm telling them and, and we just keep running. And like I said, we are keeping good pace with each other. We're just all hanging out in the same pace. And uh, they start telling me about, you know, hey, this party over here that we had and it was really fun and our friends this. And, and you know, I'm telling them about how I'm training for my first marathon. And, and we just have this conversation that honestly flows the entire last 10 miles of the race. And so we are hanging out together this whole time. And there was one point that we had to stop because I think Liz needed to put on a knee brace. She was having trouble with her knee, if I remember right. But other than that, we didn't stop. So when we finished this half marathon, I think Jill had said something about Michelle, like, thanks. Like that was the first time we haven't had to stop in a race in a long time. And, and I was like, what? I, I ran the whole time. And so I was feeling pretty good about myself. They were feeling good about themselves. And like I said, we had forged this this friendship over this past 10 miles. So we took pictures and I introduced Liz and Jill to my husband and, and, uh, we exchanged phone numbers Jill and I did. And I think there was a dog that needed to be rehomed or something. And so we were texting about that, but anyhow, in the course of those 10 miles, as I already mentioned, I told them that I was going to be running Mesa marathon in February as my very first 26.2. And they're like, well, we'll, we'll be there. And I was like, what? I just met you. You know, I don't think I said that, but I was thinking that. And they're like, yeah, we're going to totally be there. We want to support you. And that's awesome. And, and wow, that's amazing. And you're amazing. And, and we're going to be there for sure. And what day is it again? And, and what time and all this stuff. Right. And so I, I was pretty flabbergasted, you know, that they were going to come and, and support me for this marathon um, when they just met me, you know, 10 miles ago. But I was like, cool. Like, that's awesome. That's great. You know? So a couple of months go by and, and there was a couple of texts in between. Are you running this race? No. Are you running that race? No. And back and forth and about the dog and different things. And finally, February 8th, 2020 comes and I am at my marathon. So part of this episode is obviously how I met Liz and Jill, but I want to dive a little bit deeper into my first 26.2 experience too. So we're going to kind of take a little step back from February 8th, and I'm going to share a few things that happened along the road in my training for my very first 26.2. Okay, so I had started working with Coach Ben in June, and when I hired on with Coach Ben, I was only running, I think, 15 miles a week at that point. And so starting in June, I had until February, you know, to run the race. And so that gave us eight months. And so the goal was spend the first couple of months building up my mileage to where I would have a good base for starting marathon training. So that's what we did for the first couple of months. And I've talked about this before in other episodes. I live in Arizona 
And so it was tough. It was hard training in the summer. That year in 2019 was nothing compared to um, other years where I've actually started training for the marathon in June, where the long runs are already happening in that part of the year. At this point in 2019, I was still doing shorter distances. I wasn't really up to double digits in June or even most of the summer. And so my marathon training started in earnest in the winter. And winter is perfect marathon training weather in Arizona. So I was able to just go out there and and get on the Rio Vista trails. And I was able to run around my neighborhood. And back then I ran primarily on roads. So I didn't do any kind of trail running or anything in those days. I didn't even know about trail running. I would just go out there and do whatever was on my plan. So with Run for PRs, what happens is you get, you download an app called Training Peaks. And my coach, he uploads my workouts to Training Peaks a month at a time. So I pay monthly and there's the option to renew or not to renew. So this is not like a contractual thing where, you know, I I have to have a coach for the rest of my life. This is a month to month type of situation. And so I can see my plan a month in advance. So about the first of the month, he will upload the next month for me. So that's what, that's what we deal with. And then he can see my pace. He can see how many miles I actually ran. I can add notes about my workout that he can read and comment on. And so it's kind of a nice tool uh, to have. He can also see if I skipped a run, it turns red on the app. If I complete it, it turns green. If I go over or under the mileage that's suggested or asked for, it turns yellow or orange. I can't remember, but because I don't do that very often. So I'm doing this training in Arizona. Well, every year for Thanksgiving, we drive up to the Salt Lake City area of Utah. And so by this time in my training, so what, end of November, I'm up to a 12 mile long run. And I'm in Utah and it's snowing. And so we go to a local running store in Salt Lake City and ask, you know, hey, I'm not from around here. I need to run 12 miles on Saturday. Where can I go that's safe? I don't have yak tracks. I don't have any kind of, um, you know, snow, any way to run in the snow. So what can I do? And so they pointed me to a city park that still was snowy, but the sidewalks were pretty clear and it was a one and a half mile loop. And so there was snow on the ground and I did have to kind of run through some slushy stuff, but I was able to go out there on Saturday and do eight loops and get my 12 miles in. And it was an experience for this desert girl because as I'm running, clumps of snow from the trees are falling on my head. And it was just, it was a novelty for me. So I know you winter warriors out there get tired of it, but when you're a desert rat and you don't ever run in the snow, it was actually kind of fun and I enjoyed it. And so I did, I have run in the snow before. Okay. So that was kind of fun. But anyhow, as I'm, as I'm training people around me, like friends and family and people I go to church with and just things like that, they know that I'm training for my first marathon. And this is all new to them, just as it is to me. It's a new thing. It's a new experience. And Anytime, you know, people have opinions 
And so I had three different people as I was training, basically doubt that I was going to be able to run a marathon. And it was really frustrating for me. And I felt really bad about that because one of them was a runner who had already completed a marathon. The other two were not runners. They were just people that felt, I guess, that they had the right to tell me that they didn't think I could do it. And so one of them said, well, shouldn't you be running farther in training than you're running? So let me give you a little bit of specifics about that. The longest run before my marathon was 16 miles. And I know, I know, I know some of you would not feel comfortable only running 16 miles before your first 26.2. I get that. But that's what, with my pace and my running background, I was given 16 miles as my longest long run. Well, some of these people heard about that and said, well, I ran 22 miles, I think, for my first marathon. How are, how are you possibly going to be ready to run a marathon only running 16 miles? Someone else said, you're only running 10 miles, you know, a couple of weeks before your race. I think it was actually the weekend before the race. I had a 10 mile run. That just doesn't seem long enough. And you think you're going to go next week and run a marathon. And so comments from the peanut gallery, just, they were not helpful. Okay. Let's just say that. I started doubting myself and I started emailing my coach and saying, coach, am I asking for too much? Is it really possible for me to run a marathon? I have these different people telling me that I can't do it and, and they don't think I can do it and that I'm only running 16 miles and, and am I stupid? And he emailed me back and he said, no, Michelle, obviously you have work to do and obviously you know, this and that, but if you put the right training in, you're going to get there. And as time went by and I did continue to put, put the work in, he said, Michelle, you're ready for this marathon. You are ready. And basically it doesn't matter what everybody else is saying. You have been putting the work in and, and that, you know, I needed to trust the process and trust my coach and, and just not worry about what everybody else was saying. So I'm going to do something a little bit different today, and <laughs> I've always been a blatherer, apparently. So back in 2020, a couple of days before my first ever 26.2, I made a little video for myself sharing some of these thoughts, and I it was 10 minutes long, and so I am not going to bore you with that, but I cut it into three different clips, and in these little clips, I'm talking about what my coach said and how he encouraged me and what some of the doubters said, and how I was feeling before the race. It's a little bit raw, and it's real, but I thought I would just share that with you and let you take a listen and see what you think. The audio quality is not very good, so I'm hoping that you can hear it okay. So give me a second. I'll pull that up. And it's absolutely so frustrating when, you know, when they're doubting me because I feel like, you know, I've, I've asked my coach even, you know, are they right? You know, am I asking for too much? Am I, you know, am I being unrealistic? And he said, no, you're not being unrealistic. You know, back when I asked him originally, he said, you know, obviously we have a lot of work to do, but you know, you can get there. You just put in the work. 
And about two weeks ago, when I emailed him again, he said, Michelle, you're ready. You put in all the work. I'm so proud of you. You're ready. And when he said those words that you're ready, I was just like, it made me feel so good because, you know, my coach said, I'm ready. And for him to say, I'm ready. Um, I'm super excited, but, but my coach said those two things. He said, it's going to be tough, but it's supposed to be fun. If you remember those things, you're going to have a good day. So I said, well, you know what? I will. And I, I mean, I think I'm ready. If not, I'm, I'm as ready as I can be. And he said, I agree. You're ready, Michelle. You put in the hard work and I'm so proud of you. So with that, I'm taking that to heart that he says, I'm ready. Got my pace band that tells me all my paces, where I should be every mile of the race. going to slap it on my wrist, but wear my vest, my hydration vest with my Gatorade chew. And I am super, super, super excited to run on Saturday. Um, and, you know, there's naysayers, there's doubters, but I just want to prove them wrong. And, I, you know, not in the wrong way, not in a mean way, in a mean-spirited way, um, not to be mean to them. You know, they probably don't mean to be mean-spirited. Um, I even had one of them say, you know, shouldn't you choose a different marathon that has a longer time course limit? Um, you know, because it took me such and such, and you know, and and so, um, but you know, I, I don't want to do that. This is the race I want to run, and so this is the race I've trained for. So with all that, um, I just, here goes nothing, and see you on the other side of this race. Mesa Marathon 26.2, I'm coming for you. And so that's that. So I left out all of the parts where I was sniveling and crying and actually I, I wasn't really sniveling and crying. I was just kind of, I got a little bit emotional because this was a big deal for me to run a marathon and I've shared it before, but I had never run that far before and I had never been athletic. And so getting to the point where I was actually going to try to do this thing, I, I was doubting myself too, but I was trying to be strong. And I needed all of the support and help that I could get. And so when my coach was telling me that I was ready, it just gave me that boost that I needed to just not worry about what the other people were out there saying, that they didn't think I could do it. It didn't matter. I was, I was determined to prove those people wrong. And as you know, I did prove them wrong. And I was able to finish, um, finish my first marathon and finish it within the course cutoff. So... <clears throat> So I wanted to share that little recording with you. So let's get back to uh, the day of, of that marathon. I wanted to talk about Liz and Jill a little bit again. So I am out on this course. It started at 630 in the morning. It's dark. And this is all new for me. You know, I, the farthest I'd ever run is 16 miles. So here I am. It's I'm running down this hill and then I'm just out there trying to to do what I can. I have a pace band. I don't know if you have seen those, but they're these paper bands that you can order and you tell them basically what, how, do, how long do you plan to take to finish your marathon? And they will work up a, a pacing plan and print it out so that you know where you should be each mile in order to reach your goal time. I had one of those on my wrist and I would look at it. Okay. Mile one, you know, 
oh man, I'm going too fast, mile two. I'm still going too fast, mile three. I'm really slow. And it, it <laughs> I do not recommend a pace band. I ended up ripping it off at mile 17 or 18 and just throwing it in the trash because it was worthless. You don't know how a race day is going to go. Some people might love them. I don't. So I don't recommend a pace band. But anyhow, I'm out here running this race and I'm doing the best I can. It's It lightens up outside and you can see around. And I'm, I'm not one of the first people. I, there's still people around me, but I am definitely towards the back of the pack. And I'm just out there literally for the long run and trying to finish this thing. I was able to keep to my goal time. I wanted to finish in five hours and 30 minutes. And for, I would say for the first, probably half of the race, I was still on pace to reach that goal. But around mile 17-ish, I started having, um, I just started really struggling. I've never considered it hitting the wall even though maybe other people would say that that's what happened. But I have just never considered it a typical hitting the wall type of experience. But I did start getting nauseous. I was drinking the on-course hydration. I was eating chews, like gummy chews, Gatorade chews. And I had, a, I had in my mind a certain amount of chews that I needed to be eating every so often. And I was all chewed out. I was just disgusted with those chews and so sick of them. And I was just really getting nauseated and a group of runners passed, started passing me. And it was, I don't know if you've heard of the marathon maniacs, but it was a group of them and it was a man you could tell he was the leader. And I think two or three women were with him and they would do 30 seconds run and 30 seconds walk. And I was getting desperate at this point and I started getting emotional and crying and I wasn't crying. I wasn't like being a weenie baby, but I was getting emotional and feeling like, I don't know if I can do this. Like I feel sick. And so I went up to the man and I said, can I run with you? And, and they said, sure, you know, what's your name? And I told him Michelle and, and he said, ladies, Michelle's going to run with us. And, and they just welcomed me right in. And so I started running, walking with them. And so every 30 seconds, they would stop and walk. And rather than that helping my nausea issues, it started making it worse because all of this stopping and starting and stopping and starting started making me feel even more nauseous. So I only did this for, I would say, a couple minutes at the most. And then I see Jill and Liz, <laughs> Michelle, you know, and they're on the side of the course and they run onto the course and come up to me. And of course, I just let the marathon maniacs go. And they come up to me and I sit my behind on a rock in front of this apartment building with my head between my knees to try not to throw up. And Jill is holding a bottle of noon hydration and it's in a noon water bottle and her and Liz were noon ambassadors and they still are but they were back then too and so they're holding this noon bottle and they're like you okay and I'm like yeah, yeah I'm okay you know and and Jill's like quit drinking that on course hydration junk or whatever it's full of sugar drink this and so she hands me the bottle of noon and I 
I started drinking it and we walk for a little bit. And I think, you know, we use the porta potties, whatever. And as, as we start going, I start feeling better and the nausea goes away. And so Jill is like, it's yours, you know? And so she gives me this water bottle and I think they, one of them shoved it in my, in my pack and, and we start running. And so I, I could not believe that they, that they were really there. So they showed up around mile 18 and they told me that they were drinking their coffee, having breakfast. And they realized, wait a minute, isn't today Michelle's marathon? And they checked and like, sure enough. And they jumped up and drove to Mesa and there they were. And they were trying to track me, but the tracker was off and they thought I was farther than I was. And, and anyhow, they ran the last 8.2 miles of the Mesa marathon with me. And I don't think I would have made it without them. So we're running along and I am apologizing for being so slow. And they're like, Michelle, I think Liz told me, you've been running for 22 miles or whatever. We've, we've never even run that far. Like, we don't care. Just run, you know. And <laughs> there were not hardly any, there was hardly anybody around at this point. I don't even think I could see anybody in front of me or behind me. So I thought I was probably last. And so they're running beside me. And at some point, oh, there was a lady on the corner and she sees me coming and she's just like, whoa, yeah, girl, you go. And she's like dancing. And I think she has music playing. And I'm like, is she cheering for me? Like, or she must be cheering for her friend. Like there must she her she must have a friend back there that she's waiting for. And you know, here I am, so she'll go ahead and, you know. But no, she was cheering for me. And wow, she she just made my day. I was about a mile from the finish at that point and seeing her still out there, there was hardly anyone else left cheering. I mean, they were gone, you know, by this point. The course cutoff for this race was 6 hours. And so I knew my five hour and 30 minute goal was out the window, but I still was determined to finish this race. So we're going and we've got about a mile um, left and Jill and Liz are still right by my side. They would walk when I needed to walk. They would run when I could run, stayed right by my side, started encouraging me, helping me, just distracting me. Who even knows what we talked about? At one point, Jill turns on the music on her phone and she starts playing Eye of the Tiger, I think it was, and which I don't really love that song for some reason. And so I think I told her that. I'm like, no, 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 I need Girl on Fire. <laughs> That's my song. That's the song I need to hear. That's the one that makes me run faster. And so they, she tried to find it and she was able to find it. And then she played it on repeat. And so I'm running down the road to that song and, you know, with that song blasting out of her phone. And we come up to a police officer and I've told this story before and I look over and I'm like, am I last? And he's like, what? And I said, am I last? And he's like, no, you're not last. Okay. So then we keep going and I'm pretty sure that girl on fire was playing as I crossed the finish line of my very first marathon. I'm 99% sure it was. I have no idea when Jill turned it off, but they crossed with me. And they let me cross by myself, you know, to get the pictures and all that. And then they crossed. And the cool thing was they were able to end up purchasing the, 
shirt and medal for the 10K, you know, after the fact, because they ran over a 10K, you know, finishing this race with me. That finish line photo I have showed before on, as part of another episode, I put it in my stories or in a post, I can't remember, but I, that is my favorite finish line photo because I see the finish line and I realize I'm really going to make it. And I was ecstatic. I was so happy. And I ended up finishing in six hours and nine seconds. So I was just nine seconds over the official cutoff. But of course, it was fine. I still got photos and my medal and and it totally counted as an official finish time. But now I look back and I think if I would have only known I was that close, I could have run. I could have definitely run, you know, faster for 10 seconds to get under the six hour mark. But I didn't know. And it was totally fine. But again, (laughs) Jill and Liz took pictures with me and, you know, talked to my husband and, and we were able to give them a ride back to their car. Mesa Marathon is a, is a pretty big race. And so they had had to park pretty far away. So we were able to give them a ride back to their car. And, um, they just, they seriously made my first 26.2, which was Mesa Marathon 2020 they made that race. If they would not have been there to run onto the course at mile 18 and rescue me from the on-course hydration and from the marathon maniacs, I probably would have puked and cried. And I don't know. I, I don't, I really don't know. I wonder if I would have finished, you know, I'd like to think I would have finished, but I have no clue. And so I am so glad that Liz and Jill were there for me. And I will never, ever forget that ever, 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 ever. Well, we kept in touch after Mesa Marathon as well. And on Instagram, you know, every once in a while, they'll comment on a post or something. But in November of 2021, I got a text from Jill saying that they needed a Ragnar team member because someone had dropped out. And So in a trail Ragnar, there's eight people, three legs, and everyone was running about 15 miles total. And, you know, she's like, well, here's what it's about, this and this, this, this and that, and, you know, you need this and blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, ah, oh no, you know, ah. And I was like kind of terrified. Well, then my husband's like, Michelle, you can't do it. You have a race with me Saturday. And, And I was like, oh, yeah. It was a Veterans Day race that I had already signed up for with my husband. It was a 5K. We typically, my husband and I will run a 5K together on Memorial Day and Veterans Day. So those are our two. And Thanksgiving, we do a turkey trot together. So I couldn't join the Ragnar team. But I told her, I said, don't forget me next year. You know, next year I'll I'll do it. Okay, don't worry. I won't forget. So... So sure enough, this past November, well, it was sooner than November, maybe August or something, I got a text saying, hey, you still want to do the Ragnar? And I was like, not really, but yes, yes, I do. I said I would. And, but I'm going to run Chicago. And she's like, Michelle, Chicago's like three weeks before the Ragnar. You will be so good. You will be totally fine. You know, none of us, only one of us on the team has ever run a marathon you will be fine. And I'm just doubting this whole time. So months go by. Ever since I said, yes, I will do it. The months start going by and I'm like, well, I can't really think about it until after Chicago. 
and I can't run trails until after Chicago. So I just have to put this Ragnar to the back of my mind. Well, I ran Chicago and then I knew, okay, Ragnar is next. It's three weeks away. And I started stressing so bad, like it's going to be a disaster and I'm going to be last. And I just ran a marathon and, and my legs are sore and and how am I going to do this? And I'm going to, I'm going to make our whole team last and, and they're going to hate me. And, and I tried to get out of it because, well, I did, I had a quad kind of injury that was acting up and that I was going to physical therapy for. And I guess I was kind of hoping that the physical therapist would be like, well, yeah, you can't really run the Ragnar because of your quad. He's like, oh, you're totally fine. Yeah. Oh, you'll be good. And I was like, oh, okay. And so, <laughs> But I was like, for some reason, so scared to run this Ragnar race because, well, partly because it was a new experience and I had never been on a team and, and I knew all of these other seven people were going to be depending on me and that if we were last, it was going to be because of me and I did not want to do that. But they assured me, Liz and Jill assured me that it was going to be totally fine and that it was just for fun and they, they were not a competitive team and they would be honored to have me and all this and that. And so I just bit the bullet and okay, I will be there. And so went through everything you do to join a Ragnar team. And, you know, there's this zero gravity camp chair that I purchased to sleep in and, you know, you pack up your food and you pack up you know, several outfits, you need a new outfit for each loop that you're going to run and headlamps and for your night leg and, and all of this stuff and showed up and had so much fun. I think I, I can't even tell you how much fun that that Ragnar trail race was and the night leg running at night by myself here I was on this loop and I would look up and I would see these runners I could see these little headlamps bouncing up the hill and it was amazing seeing the cacti in the moonlight and I was like okay I'm here I'm in love and it was awesome and so I was able to, to see Jill and Liz for Ragnar and, and I was on their team and it was amazing and so I was so glad that I didn't get out of it well, after that, after that race, I said, okay, sign me up for next year. Like, you know, Jill, if you have your own team, I want to be on it. If you're on a different team, I want to be on it. And it just was such a fun experience. And I highly recommend a Ragnar race. If you haven't ever done one, especially if it's a Ragnar trail race, you should do it. Oh, they're so fun. And Liz ends up, ended up getting a job at my favorite local running store. And so I get to see Liz to this day when I go in and buy new shoes or socks or just whatever stop in because I want to buy myself something, treat myself. Uh, I ask if Liz is there and I get to see her, which is cool. And then a couple of weeks ago when I ran the Mesquite Canyon half marathon, guess who shows up? And they were there to run a race too. And I was able to give them both hugs and, and the moral of this episode, Fun of the Run, is I have found some of my best friends through running. And it's amazing because that's what brought us together was running. And Liz and Jill are not, I probably would have never met them any other way. You know, 
except we were at the same race. We were there at the same time. We were running the same pace. We hit it off and the rest is history. And they have been instrumental in my running journey and have made it such a positive, positive thing. They don't even know they're in this episode, so I probably should tell them before it comes out. But this is a relationship that's probably going to be going on, you know, forever. So Liz and Jill, I think you're stuck with me. And the other thing I'll say about Liz and Jill too, is they have my back. So there have been times that I posted things on Instagram or said something or, or whatever. And they will just be, especially Jill. She's like, what, who said that this and that and you're so strong and you're this. And, and I know you don't talk like this, Jill, but I'm just, this is just for emphasis, you know, but she has my back and, and Liz has my back and they're so supportive and I could not ask for better friends. I would have never met them if I would not have started running. So the moral of the story is talk to people at races. I don't know what else to say. I'm not a social butterfly. So if they probably wouldn't have run up to me, I probably wouldn't have run up to them. So it's their fault that I'm their friend now. (laughs) And I'm glad and I'm happy. All right. This has been episode seven of the Fun of the Run podcast, How I Met Liz and Jill, the story of my very first 26.2. I'm so glad you were here today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And I hope that I'll see you around for the next one.